So I thought this uh, afternoon we would maybe bring our attention a bit more to the Brahma Viharas, the four divine abidings. Um, And some of you may know them very well, and others of you might not have so much experience with them. But they're never out of season. In fact, the the noble disciple, more and more as they um, develop on the path, are abiding continually in one of these four mental states. So it's wonderful to see how they cover all conditions, all circumstances, and their um, heavenly states, you might say, are um, divine, as, as the translation implies, divine states of ease and... Um, limitlessness and so the most well known of them is metta and that's also the one that's most prevalent in the suttas loving kindness is one translation sometimes the translation goodwill is seen From my experience, I think metta is much stronger than that. We can have goodwill, and it's wonderful. But I feel like that's only the beginning when you think about what metta is or experience what metta is. That um, truly boundless and unconditional love. Bhante Sajato has been translating it as love. <clears throat> and I have a few problems with that too, or maybe just one problem. It's, uh, to me, I mean, he says it, you know, I'm, well, I guess one of his students said to me, he calls it love because that's what it is. Okay, fair enough. However, our many views and um, experiences that we label as love can get confused in there. And so it's good to really consider how loving kindness, how metta differs from other kinds of love, and how it's never um, tainted with self-interest. And as you probably could sense from the guided meditation yesterday that there's a, a feeling, a, a felt sense um, with it. <clears throat> and that's true for all the Brahma Viharas. You know, our mental states have a feeling that comes with them, you know. And so the the felt sense of metta is probably distinguishable from, say, romantic love. 
you can feel the difference even if you think about it. And metta is, um, I would say, more than goodwill, but not with the kind of, let's see, is it intensity or just the, the craving that comes in with some other kinds of love? And then from there we have karuna. And karuna is translated as compassion. As I mentioned yesterday, compassion isn't uh, the greatest descriptor for karuna because compassion means to suffer with. And that is not the the nature of karuna. But karuna is this uh, caring and um, witnessing of suffering. You see it and you, wanna, you want it to be relieved. It doesn't necessarily imply what action you would take to relieve it, but it's that boundless sense of caring about the suffering, the pain, in whatever form there is that is felt and experienced by living beings, that you're aware of it and um, wanting that to be relieved. So when you bring karuna to mind, there's also a, a feeling that comes with it. So we kind of tune into that in ourselves. Maybe from the position of bringing to mind someone that you, know, you really can relate to the, the pain or the suffering they're experiencing. Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi does a lot of um, compassion guided meditation, I've noticed. And I don't know if you know who he is, but he is one of the great scholars and translators of the Pali Canon. And he also started an organization called Buddhist Global Relief, which uh, has the mission of relieving chronic hunger and malnutrition, and they have many projects around the world to do that. So his guided meditations often will focus on what a lot of the work is done for children and for women and helping them get education and food security and there are different approaches for making that happen. And so his guided meditations will often bring to mind a child in a, in a family where there's a food insecurity and, you know, um, I helped out with Buddhist Global Relief for a number of years and reading the project proposals and things and learning about situations people are in. It can really bring up an enormous flood of karuna. So when... 
one way to think about the difference between metta and karuna is that metta is available, is appropriate, is um, easy to access when there's happiness or peace or you know things are things are going well and and pretty much any other situation but when there's suffering when there's um, pain then karuna is the one that comes to the fore and actually i think that karuna has, kind of stands on a foundation or basis of metta it's how i experience it you, know, you really bring metta up in yourself and then shifting to karuna has that underlying metta along with it. I don't feel like the metta goes away. It's there. The, the loving kindness is still there. And then the third Brahma Vihara is mudita. And mudita is often translated as appreciative joy or altruistic joy and it's um it's a joy for what's good and in the suttas these qualities are encouraged and recommended to, to bring them up and use them in certain situations and mudita is um counteracts discontent and jealousy and so oftentimes that's kind of how it's presented okay you get those feelings and you kind of pull up the mudita but in practice what I've noticed is that it's really helpful to bring this sense of joy and appreciation for what's good much more frequently than that you know, really applying it in your own life for yourself, like being happy and joyful for the goodness in your own life and for the good in yourself and also in others. Like when people take precepts, mudita arises. When I told one of the monks that I had known for a long time, one of the teachers in Thailand that I was planning to ordain as a nun, he said he mudita arose in him. You know, it's like, if someone's doing something good or there's something good that's happening in their life that brings more um, peace and goodness and happiness, and you can really have mudita for that. And so again, it's a different kind of feeling, different kind of felt sense. And sometimes I even kind of... um, Get the sense of colors that go with these different mental states. And, you know, people have different propensities and think in different ways or create in different ways, and so color or sound, um, you know, whatever, whatever helps to flood the mind with that particular quality is useful. And then the fourth one is upeka, which is translated as equanimity. And 
as someone recently said when we were, I gave a guided meditation on these four, this person observed afterwards that the first three have such an emotional tenor to them. And, and opaca equanimity is just kind of flat line. <laughs> it's had a different feeling. And it's interesting because opaca is really the wisdom quality of the collection. One of the things you might observe if you dig into the, the suttas or the Buddhist teaching in general and be all these lists of things, whether it's the Noble Eightfold Path or it's the five faculties or five powers or the four um, idipadas. I'm trying to think of what the English translation is or any of these lists. There's always at least one, could be more, wisdom factors. And in this collection of Brahma Viharas, Upeka is the wisdom factor. It's like, this is where you're seeing clearly what's happening. And there can be a, a, a strong element in what's happening that's not wholesome. Or anytime there is this, you know, like oftentimes this is something that, that parents work with and reflect on. Maybe their, their child isn't doing things the way they would like them to. Maybe they see that they're heading down a path that's going to lead to quite a lot of pain. And they've tried everything that's available to them to help them change their direction, and it's not happening. And then the, the Brahma Vihara that's appropriate, applicable, uplifting, healing, and supportive is Opeka. That equanimity, you know, we recognize sometimes that there is something we cannot change, and we may see the the suffering in it. And and this doesn't have to be necessarily for someone so close to you as a child. It could be for anyone. We can take a look at some of the well, any of our political leaders, and we can see the good, the bad, the wholesome, the unwholesome, you know, where the um, collision of values and the drive and the fears that people have kind of collide and these problems and the Brahma Vihara to rely on as we look is Upeka, equanimity. Someone mentioned... I don't know, uh, earlier today, I guess, that um, one of the things Ajahn Brahmali said when he was here offering the retreat recently, said, don't take other people's defilements too seriously. It was a really good advice. (laughs) It's possible to get entirely wrapped up in something we can't control can't influence. And so when we think about the the way that, you know, every any moment can be filled with one of these divine abidings, then opeka is there when there's unskillful 
behavior and we're observing that. Now, I'm not saying that so much about our own unskillful behavior. This is really about the unskillful behavior that we can't control. We have responsibility for our own unskillful behavior. And we can have upeka. It is a, excuse me, is applicable after the fact. After it's done, we see it. Okay, I don't want to do that again. Then we can have some upeka around that. You know, that's a that's a good um, mental state to reside in. But we've already made the determination to recommit to more skillful behavior. A long time ago, I was um, at a talk given by Bhante Gunaratana, who's a, the 95-year-old Sri Lankan monk who has uh, a place in um, West Virginia. Is that where it is? Bhavana Society. And he talked about the Brahma Viharas, and, and he talked about how as I said, there are there always there's always one of them you can you can be um, pervading your mind with, and um, when people are happy, metta. When people are unhappy, karuna. When people are doing good things, mudita. When they're doing the things that are not good, upeka. And it's just like it kind of covers the quarters and covers the spaces. And so this idea of kind of living from a place of having one of these up in the mind is is this idea of kind of living uh, from a place of heavenly goodness all the time. And that's... I've heard that's the the sort of mind of the arahant. There's they're always residing in one of these Brahma Viharas. I don't think I've seen that said in the suttas, but I think it's an interesting contemplation. What if that's always uh, one of those fours where we're coming from? And until we are uh, at the point where we establish that, we can certainly return to, to them again and again and again. I think a tick is going out the door. So, oh, there's another one. Uh, okay. Tick number two. Heading for the door. Thank you. And, you know, like right now, like what happens when, you know, like there's something the mind does? It seems pretty calm way over here, I gotta say. <laughs> but when they're on me, I'm a little more excited. <laughs> but, you know, like what's the Brahma Vihara? Like, Samantha. We can have compassion for the tick. We can have upeka and be even-minded and still carry it out the door. And, you know, so just, just consider 
And what's the appropriate or what's the natural Brahma-vihara for the circumstance you find yourself in at any time? So that leads us up to guided meditation time. I'm going to use the same approach, the one that we find again and again in the suttas, of establishing or imbuing the mind with loving kindness. So if we become very practiced, then it's just the thought immediately, the feeling flows up, flows in. The mind is filled with this sweet feeling of loving kindness, metta. It's universal, it's impartial. The word metta is related to the word for sun. It shines on everyone like the sun. And metta has no sort of tendrils back towards the sense of self. It's it's boundless and it's open and it's free. And there are various ways as we learn how to establish this mental state, this attitude, this sort of imbuing of the mind or pervading of the body. And just notice what it is that causes that in your mind. Some people use phrases. May I be happy? May everyone around me be happy? May I be well? May all beings be well? There are many different ways, or at least I can think of a few, to establish this feeling, this mental state. can bring to mind a living being that just evokes this love and joy in your heart. It is a happy feeling. Goodwill, loving kindness, 
loving friendliness. Sometimes we find it harder to have metta for ourselves than we have for certain other people. So you always start with the easy way. And what really helps this feeling pervade the mind. When the mind is filled with metta, there's no space for anything else. And we chanted last night these four Brahma Viharas, and at the end of each section it says, without hostility, without ill will. And by the time we get to that point, the likelihood is that there is no trace of any kind of negativity because there's only the space for this loving kindness. Everything else is sort of driven away. So we think I will abide pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with loving kindness. And how, <clears throat> how you imagine that one quarter is really up to you. What feels like a fullness in one quarter of the space or your being? I think the Buddha taught it this way because to just say, oh, let's just fill your body or everything with metta, it's not quite as powerful, I think, as fill first one quarter and then a second quarter. And so on. So we can give it as much time as you need when you do this on your own and just let that feeling of metta, loving kindness, loving friendliness 
really permeate whatever part you see as that one quarter and then the second quarter and the third quarter and the fourth. So this can take on something like that practice that young man was doing because his father told him to on his deathbed, you know, bowing to every direction. So maybe the first quarter is the north. The second is the east. And the third is the south. And the fourth is the west. And then above to the zenith and below to the nadir. Use the language, the expression that really helps this happen. this loving kindness all around, everywhere, and to all beings, and to ourselves, that we never leave ourselves out of the picture. And over time, there's more and more of a balance between ourselves and others who are less tied up in this idea of me. So we can love ourselves and love others the same way without any attachment, without any strings. And sometimes as we practice this, the whole body can start to feel very light. And this is a perfectly valid and sometimes easy way to go into jhana, into deep concentration. They call it metta jhana. And if the mind becomes so still and peaceful, then we just let that happen. Just allow that. Observe it. Your mindfulness is always clear and bright. The mind doesn't get floaty or confused. It's clear and bright, present, 
and aware that this metta is permeating everything. Our whole mind, our whole body, and even the whole world. Even beyond this world, everywhere, as far as our imagination can take it. abide pervading the all-encompassing world, the all-encompassing worlds, with a mind imbued with loving-kindness. Abundant, exalted, immeasurable. Now while this mental is still here, let's add compassion. I will abide pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with compassion. Sometimes I think about this girl in India. Oh, let's see. I think it was Cambodia, actually. She was about 12. And there's this project there called Lotus Outreach that provides rice to families in exchange for keeping their daughters in school. Because a lot of times when families are really, really poor and they can't really feed their children, they send the girls off to work somewhere far away. And we get a sense of what that work is like most of the time. 
So Lotus Outreach tries to prevent that. And they give the families rice. And this girl said that it was the first time she ever ate until she was full. And she had been in school. She was in school. She went to school every day even though she went hungry. And when our karuna, our compassion arises, we want to relieve that hunger. We want to relieve that suffering. But we're not, we're not going down into sadness. It's a, it's a mental state of stability. The loving kindness is there. The compassion. Is uplifting. It's beautiful. And it's boundless. So we fill one quarter and then the second quarter and the third and the fourth with this boundless, stable compassion. And above and below. Around and everywhere. And to all beings and to ourself. There is no being unworthy of compassion. There is no living being that doesn't suffer. pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with compassion, abundant, exalted, and immeasurable.
And even in this story of this young girl who stayed in school, and many of the girls at Lotus Outreach helps, they go to college. They're supported with rice when they're on their own as students. And most of them have this wish to come back to their villages and teach and heal. And right there we can feel some appreciative joy. You can bring that to mind, fill the mind, imbue the mind with the joy for what's good, goodness in human beings, the goodness in our own efforts, the goodness in the good fortune that comes to us and to others. So we imbue the mind with this appreciative joy and then we pervade one quarter with that mind filled with joy, filled with appreciation. And likewise, the second quarter. Likewise, the third quarter. And likewise, the fourth. And really notice how it feels. Above, filling the area above and below. In all directions. And to all as to ourselves. And joy for our own goodness, joy for the goodness of every living being. I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with mudita, appreciative joy. Abundant, exalted, immeasurable. Boundless quality, joy.
And we know that <clears throat> we know that there is not only goodness in this world, and even in living beings and their actions. So we call upon Upeka and imbue the mind with this stability, balance, wisdom, discernment. That wherever there's stress, wherever there's conflict, we can look upon it with wisdom and remain calm and at peace. And from this place of peace and clarity, we can know how to help, what to do. what's possible to do. So now we really imbue the mind with this quality of equanimity. Peaceful, clear, stable, reliable, wise. And we pervade one quarter with this mind to be imbued with opaca, with equanimity. Or another word might be equipoise. Likewise, the second quarter, the third quarter, and the fourth. Above and below. around and everywhere. To all beings, to all situations, and to ourselves. abide imbuing pervading the all-encompassing world with his mind filled with hubeka 
filled with equanimity. Abundant, exalted, and immeasurable. And there's no trace of hostility or ill will in any of it. So please carry on with whatever meditation is helpful for you. Sitting, walking, finding a good place to take care of your body if you need that. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.